Welcome to the I'm Done Apologizing podcast, where we're creating a community of women who advocate and empower. I'm Michelle, and I'm so glad you're joining me. This week's episode was inspired by Michelle Obama's new book, The Light We Carry. Friends, if you haven't listened or read that book yet, go grab it. But she talks briefly about code switching, which made me start thinking about code switching as women. So if you're interested in the topic, stick around. If you're familiar with the word or the phrase code switching, then you may know or think about it in terms of your friends or colleagues who identify as black or LGBTQ plus community members. And I'm very familiar with that um, frame of mind, right, when I think about code switching. And when I was listening to Michelle Obama's book, The Light We Carry, and again, go listen to it. She's the one who uh, reads it uh, as an audiobook, so I strongly, highly encourage it. But as she was talking about um, code switching, there was something in there that she said that made me think, hmm, what does this mean for women? Now, I know that for our colleagues and friends who are black women or who are LGBTQ plus women, queer women, right? That those folks have a different definition or lens or use of code switching. So I don't want to take that away from those women. But as women in community, I wanted to unpack it a little bit further because the definition of code switching says that it's the practice of alternating between two or more languages or varieties of language in conversation. It also goes on to talk a little bit about um, people of color and underrepresented groups, right? And women fit into that underrepresented groups in a lot of ways, and especially depending on the environment or the, the work in the office are also underrepresented members of those communities. And so while it's not necessarily specific to race, gender, or socioeconomic status, it is something that continues to come up in the work that women do. (coughs) Stick with me, friends. I might do that a couple times. I'm battling a cold that just doesn't want to go away. So anyways, the um, shorthand or making sense of deeply personal experiences is really where code switching evolves out of right? (coughs) Excuse me. And so that is why code switching has become a thing. It's an experience that folks want to try and get others to understand, something that means something to them, the communicator. And they want to help make sense for other folks. So this could present itself in a variety of different ways (coughs) where the woman is wanting to or is maybe in a leadership role right and is a supervisor is a 
person who is leading an effort. It doesn't even have to be a supervisor or a boss or anything like that. Maybe they're just leading a project and they um, may feel like they're sounding like a boss, right? Or they may feel like they are sounding like or showing up like an employee who is a man. Right. So those are some examples of where women might need to change the way that they think. So um, a good example, maybe not a good example, because I'm a sports minded human and I love sports. But a woman may choose to insert into the sports conversation in order to feel part of the group right? It may be a bunch of men talking about LeBron's record-setting points last night, right? I don't watch the NBA. It's not my thing. I just don't. (coughs) But I do know that LeBron, and especially in the state of Ohio, even though he doesn't play here anymore, is really important um, to Ohio. And so when colleagues and friends in the office are talking about LeBron, I may insert myself and say something semi-educated, semi-educated, because it's not my thing, right? I'm a baseball gal. I'm a hockey gal. I'm a college basketball gal, not an NBA person, but I might insert myself because I want to feel part of the group, right? I've heard, and this is kind of an old adage, but... You know, you hear people talk about how um, if you want to make it in the C-suite or you want to make it with the leadership, learn to golf. Luckily, I've never had to do that, or at least not yet. But, you know, if you are not a golfer and you're a woman and you're being told to learn to golf, it's in order to fit in with the men who golf and do business deals on the golf course. Again, gross generalization, but... That is a good example of fitting in with the men. I think another thing is when we start to think about and have those more um, hmm, raunchy uh, uh, jokes and storytelling in the office. And a woman might say one, and that might be out of character for her, but that is her trying to, again, fit in and code switch and be part of the conversation, right? I was reading an article about code switching and it quoted a whole bunch of people um, and there were some really interesting and fascinating quotes. I will make sure that the article is linked in the show notes so that you have it. (coughs) Excuse me. But one of the things that I pulled away from that is that code switching is exhausting. Regardless of who you are, if you are code switching, it is exhausting. It is mixed with emotions and yet on the same opposite end of the spectrum, it can feel like a superpower or you can feel like you have talent because of your ability to code switch. Someone even made a comment in these quotes about it's about survival right trying to survive and fit in and be part of 
whatever it is that you are in the mix of, whether it's a social group, whether it's a work group, whether it's a volunteer group, maybe it's a professional organization, but that survival sometimes means you have to code switch in order to be part of that group. Now, you might ask, Michelle, why do people code switch? Why is it important, right? We've already talked about how people want to share their deeply personal experiences. And um, another article I found, again, will be linked in the show notes if you want to go take a look at it. But there were four reasons why this article stated that people code switch. The first one is um, fear of confirming stereotypes. Right. As I read that one, one of the things that um, I thought about was women crying in the office. Right. We just had a really long conversation, not a really long one, but a really good conversation at the lunch table the other day about crying in the office and how supervisors have responded to crying in the office. And that was really fascinating. But like fear of confirming those stereotypes, women don't want to cry in front of superiors and supervisors because they don't want to confirm a stereotype. And yet, when I cry in the office, if I'm crying in front of a supervisor, I'm either burnt out, (laughs) straight up burnt out, or I am so angry that I have no words, maybe no appropriate words to say in front of a supervisor, that it becomes tears, right? And so code switching doesn't always have to be words coming out of your mouth. It could be behaviors that are showing up. You know, I think another one is that apologizing piece, right? Go back to episode one, friends, but apologizing for taking up the space that women don't want to um, acknowledge that they may, that they're, that they're supposed to be there for a reason, that they're supposed to be in the conversation, in the job, in the room, at the table, literally or figuratively. They just don't want to acknowledge that. And so they apologize for taking up space. This is a tangent. But I was in a a conversation, very male-minded, tons of architects and planning and design construction folks, right? There were literally three women in the room, three women. And we started the meeting and one woman and one man entered late after we'd already started the conversation. The woman entered before the man, the late man, And the woman apologized, shrunk into her seat. The man walked in, sat down, opened their computer or whatever, and just became part of the conversation. No apologies. None. Right? And so so I think that that is where we as women have to ignore the stereotypes. And we do what we're supposed to do. We be present in the moment. Right? We do, um, we react how we need to react. We say what we need to say. (coughs) Excuse me, friends. Number two is to achieve specific results, right? People code switch to achieve specific results. For me, that's an appearance in the office, how I dress, how I show up. I've talked um, a couple episodes, several episodes at this point ago about, um, you know, showing up and how you show up and what you wear in your workspace or in your personal space. Um, And I made some examples about how I work in a very male-minded world, 
right? Not even like institution or department or whatever, but like the the people that I'm interacting with are dudes, <laughs> right? And some of them are folks who wear jeans and a nice top. Some of them wear hats to the office, right? And so when I have a very physical day ahead of me and I wear an appropriate top and leggings and gym shoes, I always think twice about my appearance. Always. And yet the men that I work with, around, by, next to, um, they don't think twice about their appearance. They just show up, right? And so we want to achieve specific results. So we are going to say things. We're going to look a certain way. We're going to do certain things in order to get those results. And some of those results might be being taken seriously, right? Um, a third reason why people code switch is that they just can't help it. It's part of who they are, how they were raised. Um, this article went on to talk about how someone was from the South and how um, we uh, are, how in this um, world that the that the husband i think it was the partner the husband was talking about how your southern is slipping in right and like didn't lived in the south anymore but was raised in the south and so i think about some of those things where it's like um uh oh gosh what's the like oh precious or you know uh some of those I can't even come up with them, friends. It's been that kind of a week. But anyways, you know what I'm talking about, right? Some of those things just slip right in. Those languages, those um, those phrases slip right in. And then the fourth reason why people code switch, according to this article, is it expresses something that can't be said another way. And so sometimes they just have to say it um, in a way that makes sense to them right? Just makes sense to them. So um, a couple of tips for you around code switching. Um, I think it's really important. I don't think it's important. These articles are also saying the same thing, right? So it's important to acknowledge the dominant culture and challenges um, and, and challenge our assumptions, right? So when I start thinking about <clears throat> how I show up at work, physically how I'm showing up at work, am I um, you know, we uh, in my field, we talk a lot about being professional and showing up and having a sense of professionalism. Well, um, dressing in a professional manner or professionalism is rooted in um, white supremacy and has very racist connotations to it. And so being professional um, basically means everybody needs to look like the white man. I'm, that's a very loose interpretation of that, but in sense of, in a sense of that. And so when your department or your office or your business starts talking about how you show up at work, what your hours are at work, that comes from a place of, um, of whiteness, of white maleness, right? And acknowledging that. And so if you are in the place to be able to challenge those assumptions, I encourage you to do so, right? Maybe you don't need an eight to five business structure. Maybe because some folks have to drop their kids off at school, then maybe those hours become nine to five with a 30 minute lunch instead of an hour long lunch, right? Or, or maybe they need to pick folks up from daycare. 
And so what are some opportunities to show up differently? Can they show up wearing something um, of ethnic background, right? Like their attire. Can they be fully themselves when they show up in the office? Or do they have to fit the standard business professional um, suit, coat, whatever those sort of attires are. So making sure that we're challenging our own assumptions, but also challenging the um, assumptions of the office and how we show up. Tip number two is to explore policies and norms. Can they change, right? Are you in a place and a space where you can challenge those policies and those norms. Again, going back to like the time we show up and how we physically are dressed. Can those be, excuse me, can those be opportunities for more authenticity? We want to, especially in the business that I'm in, we want to, we want to tell folks that, you know, show up in your true self. And while I believe that we mean that to the deepest core of, who we are, does what we do really allow for that? Can we really authentically show up at work? And so challenging that dress code, right? Why was, must we um, dress in business professional? Snappy casual, right? That's a phrase in my industry. Um, and so why? Why is that a thing? Who made that a thing? What's the purpose of that dress code, right? What about the meeting structure? Is it always the leader of the department who is sharing the information? Is it always um, in a certain way, in a certain room, in a certain manner, on a certain day? What is that meeting structure? Can it change? Can it be more nimble? I would argue that COVID has allowed for some of those structures to change a little bit, right? We do more virtual meetings. We're a Teams department. Um, and so we do more of those virtual opportunities for connecting with colleagues. But for those who maybe don't or, or haven't adapted, is there an opportunity still to adapt and change a little bit? So, so code switching. I hope that this has helped a little bit for you to start thinking about how you adjust in your work setting specifically, but also maybe your social setting, your home setting, your volunteer setting, your leadership setting, whatever setting you might be in where you don't feel like you get to be authentically yourself. What does that look like for you? Can you start recognizing where and how you are code shifting or code switching so that you can adapt and you can start to have some conversations about why you do that? And maybe that's you finding your hype squad, right, to have conversations about how can we change this? How can we bring this up in conversation with leadership? Friends, I'm so grateful. I continue to be grateful for you showing up. We're 88 episodes in. That's incredible to think about. I'm so excited to be able to continue to bring this to you every single week and to have listenership every single week. So thank you so much for showing up. Thank you so much for listening. This week's affirmations, I'm done apologizing for working on myself. 
I'm done apologizing for showing up as my authentic self in this world. And this one's for you. I'm done apologizing for. Friends, go out, have an amazing week, do the incredible things that I know you are capable of. And don't forget, please like, follow, and share. If you like this podcast, if you love this episode, please make sure that you are liking us wherever you're listening to this podcast, whatever platform that's on. Make sure that you're snapping a picture, a screenshot of this episode or any that you might be re-listening to and share it out with folks to let them know what you're listening to and why you enjoy it. If you um, are excited about having someone be a guest on my podcast, please make sure you fill out that guest referral form. It's in my show notes, in my link tree um, list. And so I would love to hear who you would love to hear from. Make sure you go out and share that. And guess what? That can be you as well. If you want to be a guest, if you got some amazing things and friend, you have some amazing things to share, fill out that form. I want to hear from you. And remember, you are fabulous. You're a badass. You've got this and I'm here for you.